Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Posecast with Rabbi Shmuel Posner and myself, Seth Hellman. Rabbi, how are you doing today? Baruch Hashem, we are good. It's a sunny day. I set up the tent in the front yard. I called the tent for Torah because I learned with somebody there yesterday. I was parked, I was sitting in my tent outside the Chabad house. And a car pulls up, and out jumps a chassid. And we had a nice schmooze. Shliach in New Haven. Shmuley Hech pops in. He was driving by. He knew the place to daven. He took care of him. We fabrenged. It was very nice. That's what's going on in Kenmore Square. So last week, we briefly mentioned cottage cheese, and we promised that the story would get told <laughs> on the podcast this week. So why don't you go into why cottage cheese was brought up last week? <laughs> so this teaches me that when I tell you guys a story, you can torment me for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, just don't tell good stories, and we won't say I anything. I just tell the it. truth, man. What can I do? You know, you got to live with it. That's what it is. It is, it is what it is. So... Here's the, I'll tell you the story, but I'll tell you something a little, a little put into a setting. So when I went to yeshiva, so I went first in Brooklyn for eight years, actually for 12 years through high school, started out in Bedford-Stuyvesant, first four years, first three years, and then that's yeshiva closed, there was a fire there. We moved to Flatbush. I was there through through end of high school and then two more years in base Medrash. And then went to Morristown for two years. Then went to London for, went to Miami, went to Morristown for two years, Miami for two years. Then finally we came to 770 to learn in 770. You know, 770, in addition to being the Drebbe's Shul, is also the, was the, is the yeshiva, the, the top yeshiva after, you know, high school, elementary, high school, you finally come to 770. And that was like the dream to come to 770 and learn in 770, which meant first it was a property she was studying, we were learning, but also that we were in 770 near the Rebbe. So if the Rebbe came for those days, he would come Monday and Thursday to Fatoa reading. You were there in the shul with him. It was upstairs in the small shul across the Rebbe's office. And Mincha Meyer, he would dive in with the Bachram and, and, and whoever else was there. So it was an amazing, amazing, amazing time of life. It's something we look, I look forward, even though I'm in the Fabrengans and Davening whenever I could in 770, but to be there every single day, a regular Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to be with the Rebbe was just fantastic and amazing. And, but even though we were in close proximity to the Rebbe, you know, 10 feet away, five feet away, whatever, Rebbe walking in, walking out, um, there was still a certain hadras kavod, meaning like this, this great honor and respect for the Rebbe. So you know, you didn't go over and talk to him, and it was like you know, it wasn't like you didn't pal around with the Rebbe. He was, you know, it was always whenever he walked, he was going somewhere. He was, you know, directly where he's going was just like wandering around, looking around, talking to people. So there was no. I just want to emphasize it: no familiarity. It wasn't like you know, chit-chatting with the rabbi, like you go to, I don't know, you go to some shul or some yeshiva, so the rabbi there, you talk to him, you know, you shoes around. There was no such thing whatsoever. There was like this this element of what we, we would call malchus, kingship. Now, not literally a king, but just this, this respect bordering on awe, but like, you know, you know, so 
So that's the setting of where we were at. And so now here's the cottage story. So a friend of mine, his name is Nuti Luri, just in case anybody out there knows who he is. We were we were together in 77. We used to sit on the same table. He was not my my study partner, my Chavrusa, but he sat right next to me. And we got a you know, I knew him from maybe I knew him from camp or whatever. We knew him from Yeshiva. We were we were, we were buddies. So it was um during break time. Maybe it was after morning davening uh, ten thirty, or maybe it was yeah, probably it was about ten thirty. So we're going to the store to you know to get something to you know go down. We were going to, to breakfast. Maybe and maybe pick something up in the store, a Danish or something. And so Rabbi Groner said to me, "Can you can you if you're going out, can you please go to Khan's, which is a super little superette supermarket, and get a container of cottage cheese." And he said, um, if they ask you, and just say it's for the Rebbe. So the, in other words, I, I guess he meant, I looked at him like, who's supposed to pay for this? I mean, who's it for? So he said, it's for the Rebbe. Put him the Rebbe. You know, they probably had an account. You know, anything they need is for the Rebbe's personal needs. While he was in 770, obviously he had a, when he went home, he had, you know, that was a set, completely separate. But while he was in 770, if he came in the morning, I guess he ate Ate something during the day. The Rebbe could arrive, could, could arrive at eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning, and stay till you know late at night. He would go home every day at five o'clock, approximately for about a half an hour. But mo mostly he's there. So anyway, so <laughs> so I went to the store and I took the cottage cheese. My friend took whatever he had, and I still, you know, something. And the reason I remember the story so clearly was because I put it down on the counter, and I said to the guy, I "said This is for the Rebbe." And my friend said, put down his thing and said, this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> Mocking me saying, this is for the Rebbe. <laughs> so I always remember that. You know, but but the thing was, it was just, that, that's the story. I, I, I'm sure if I, if I, if I mentioned him, I think he'd probably remember also. I, mean, I haven't mentioned him in years. I haven't seen him in a couple of decades. Um, but that, that's the story. But there was a certain element, I think, you know, just the idea of, you know, you always give this example. You say, like, what's the importance of a mitzvah, right? Why do we do a mitzvah? Because we're supposed to. Because we're supposed to. Who said so? Hashem said so. So what does Hashem get from us doing, doing a mitzvah? Oh. oh. Uh. I wasn't prepared for the questions to be turned on me today. Yeah, uh. yeah. But it's not, these are things you live with. You put on film a half an hour ago, an hour ago, two hours ago. Why did you do that? What were, what were you thinking? Because you're supposed to. It's what it's called. Uh, it, it's a way of being close to Hashem. Because, and how does that, who said it's a way to get close to Hashem? Hashem it, said it was. Hashem said it. No, these are not true questions. <laughs> Hashem says so. Hashem says so, right? Right? And so the so and we just had some uh, shvuas and giving of the Torah, the whole business. So what's the deal? The deal is very simple. If Hashem, so the example is given, if you have, let's say, a very, very important person, it could be anybody that you consider to be important in your life. It could be a, it could be the president of, of your university, it could be the CEO of the company you're working for, and you're some you know student or some worker that just got hired. And the CEO asks you to do a do, do a favor for him. Can, can you do me a favor? You go out, buy me a bottle of water, or you know, it could be anything. Just the mere fact that you're able to do something for this person that's way beyond you. And Chassidus talks about a chacham, like a wise person. I mean, 
you know, a great scholar who's way beyond anything, you know, incomparable to you. And what you're doing is, is not, you're not sharing some kind of intellect with, with this great scholar. You're doing a simple favor, but even that is a connection. It's a connection. Parents who are constantly with children, have a little child, a three-year-old, say, can you please go get Tati his slippers? And the child comes and is so happy. Look, I brought Tati his slippers, right? Which really, it's not a big deal. They could have picked himself up and got, gotten it himself. But here the child feels this connection. I did something for somebody that's someone more important than me. And that, 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 that's, you know, that's, that, that's a connection. So Hashem asks you to test you, put on filling. You're right. The most basic reason is because you're supposed to. Hashem said so. What it does for you, we can talk about that. But the essential thing that we, you are doing what God asked you to do, like, wow, the, what, what, greater, what greater privilege can there be? Okay. So that was a, in, in concept. In my mind was like that. Like the Rebbe is the Rebbe. He doesn't need me to do anything for him. I mean, he's he's the teacher, he's the rebbe, you know, his inspiration, all that. But like for me personally, what does he? He doesn't need anything from me personally. But to have the ability to do something for the rebbe personally was something that uh, stuck with me for forever. And I don't think I ever did anything for the rebbe. This is kind of like you know, we did it for the rebbe. You did you you'd label Groner, Rabbi Groner a favor. You went to the store and got it. No, but ultimately that was the cottages that the rebbe ate that day. I assume. So that was um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, these are things that you know Chassidim live with. You know, you know the the, the the moments that the rebbe said something to you, or you know there was some kind of personal interaction. It was very valuable. So. There you go, the cottage cheese story. Do you remember what brand of cottage cheese you bought? Nope. <laughs> oh. I don't think there I think back then there weren't many brands. You know, it was called Yisrael. And right, yeah, sorry. Back in the dark ages, continue. This was um, in the early 80s. That's 1980s. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think at Crown Heights there was, there was much of a selection. So, I, don't, I do not recall them saying what kind to get. But I assume that you know the one that was in the store was okay. That's you know, that. there's something interesting that you mentioned on a more serious note about the cottage cheese story in, in regards to the Rebbe and how, right? Like you mentioned, like the kingship aspect and how people just you know you wouldn't just go up to the Rebbe and talk to him and have a conversation. But I don't. I think it's a to me having not grown up in Chabad, it feels almost off, I guess, because you're talking about someone like if I think, I think about it in this way where it's like, okay, if I want to talk to Hashem, what do I do? I daven, right? Like there's obviously there's a reverence for Hashem, but do I ever think twice about like, oh, should I be going up to this person and talking? Like, no, Hashem's not a person, but you you get the the reference, right? Where yeah. it's, you know, I, I'm never thinking twice about it. if I want to talk to Hashem, I'm going to go and daven, and and I have no, there's no apprehension to going and doing that. There's no apprehension to going up to the king in this aspect and mm-hmm. and talking to him. So, are you not then adding too much of not that the Rebbe didn't deserve respect, but is there too much of a reverence for the Rebbe in that, you know, in that respect? Um, so I think you, you, you've you put a couple of things together. It's a good question. You put a couple of things together. When you talk about Hashem, one of the incredible things about God is that even though he's the most 
immense, awesome, unbelievable, uncomparable to anything that exists. He's the source of all existence. Nonetheless, Hashem comes down into the lowest, lowest, low, low, the lowest, darkest places that there are. So in fact, that isn't something which we, we should take for granted, but something that we could appreciate about Hashem, that the, the, how great Hashem is, and His greatness, where you see His greatness, you could see his his humility, like he comes down into like you're the you're the creator of everything, and you make sure every blade of grass gets turned over at, at a certain time. Really, that's 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 and that's really the infinite element of Hashem, that is not or beyond infinite. That nothing nothing's outside of God's presence. So the, the greatest of the greatest and the smallest of the small. But that's Hashem, and that's definitely unique. We can't no human being can be compared to that at all. But in, so that's, I'm just saying, in that sense, Hashem is, yeah, Hashem is there with you wherever you go. And, and sometimes you have to say, wait, am I taking Hashem here with me to fill in the blank, whichever nasty place you go to? Hockey game. Um, <laughs> so so that, that, that's what talking about Hashem. Now, let's talk about the Rebbe, okay? The reverence, which that's a good word, the reverence for the Rebbe is, ve is very classic. What do I mean by classic? If you look in the, like Shulchan Aruch, the laws of how you treat a Talmud Chacham, how you, teach, how you respect your father, your mother. Nowadays, the whole idea of, of um, respect for your parents is out the window. I mean, there are students, alumni, whatever, that call their parents by the first name. And to me, that's like, I can't, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it. It means it's, it's weird. They'll say to me, oh, Joe, and I'm thinking, that's your father, you know, and, and even when you say something like in a negative way, like, oh, like my mother has no patience for Joe. Like, what? You're talking about your father. You don't, you, you don't, you don't talk that way. It doesn't make any sense. So I think there has been a de degradation of respect in general. Now, a, a, more particularly, who, like, talk, you give us an example of somebody who's really respected in, in, in our, in our, times in our era in our life the president of the united states like do me a favor you, 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 you know every time you see you know you go online somebody's making fun of the president or you know and, and, and mocking him um and it's not just this president it's just any president that happens to be that's you know it's part of the part of the the job the, the way the way the, you know the way the media talks about great people is to make fun of them and that's okay like, oh that's all right so you don't really have a great example of some of the idea of reverence and respect. But in truth, if you think about it, there are people in life that are that way. Again, using, let's say, the president of the university. You don't go over and pat him on the back and say, I mean, okay, I'm not, again, not being particular. Some presidents <laughs> universities are like that. Some presidents, they have a certain, they, they present themselves in a certain way. Okay, and you, you may be right, there may be far and few and far in between, where do you find people that really have that idea of reverence and respect? But I would say to you that in the Torah world, you do find that. You do, you have that, you do have classic examples of a Rosh Hashiva, you know, just today, um, one of the, the, one of the, arguably the greatest, or one of the greatest rabbis of the uh, Litvish world in, in, in Torah study in, in, in Israel passed away. And, and you see the language that's used about him and the reverence and, and, you know, they are they are held on 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 a, on a higher level, and when you talk to them, you talk about a certain respect. I think we can imagine this when you talk about Moshe Rabbeinu. 
you know, you just imagine Moshe Ben, like, how did the Jews, you know, even though they argue with him and this and that, but the, I can tell you from a from from a personal perspective that there was a recognition that, and you see, you you don't demand respect, you earn respect, right? So it wasn't that the Rebbe demanded anything from anybody. It wasn't that the Rebbe asked anybody for anything. And in the earlier years, when my father may well, you know, knew the Rebbe before he was Rebbe, there was a certain, you know, familiarity. In fact, I'll tell you a little Rebbe story. Yeah. So my father was, when, after the previous Rebbe had passed away, sometime during that year, my father went to Los Angeles to start being a shliach there. And, or or maybe wasn't that going to Los Angeles. Anyway, he had gone somewhere after the previous era passed away. He'd gone somewhere on some kind of a mission, you know, to spread, you know, teach Judaism in some town somewhere. And when he came back, the Rebbe extended his hand to Shalom Aleichem. Now, at this point, it was already after the previous Rebbe passed away. So, so... Many and the Rebbe didn't officially accept being Rebbe till a year later, but many, if not most, or can't say all, oh, Hasidim recognized the Rebbe is the Rebbe. He's the Rebbe. The fact that the Rebbe didn't officially, like they would treat him as a Rebbe, like giving him notes when he would go to visit the previous Rebbe's very place, they would give him notes and the Rebbe accept them. So it was sort of like that. It was a great period there where the Rebbe didn't want to officially become known as Rebbe until a year later, on the first anniversary of the previous Rebbe's passing. So when, my, when 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 Rebbe extended his hand Shalom to my father, my father just stand there and and didn't return the handshake. And so the Rebbe, the Rebbe like said, "Ah, oh, is that in Yiddish an action, which means oh, you're stubborn. You're you're you know like you're being stubborn." Okay, and I okay, apple I didn't it. fall very far from the tree. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, so what what was the point? The point was. That my father wouldn't shake the Rebbe's hand because now the Rebbe, you know, it's different. It's a different thing. But as a, at, as time, if you, if you really want to do an in-depth study of the Rebbe from the early years, later years, you could see there was more familiarity earlier. As time went on, it became more and more the reverence increased. Okay. Now, of course, you look at you look at all the videos of dollars. People are talking to the Rebbe and asking him. You know, and sometimes, you know, the, 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 the approachability of the Rebbe didn't go down. You can, you know, show, look at a hundred videos where people are talking to the Rebbe and, and, you know, with respect, but like, it was easy to talk to the Rebbe. But the reverence was there as well. The recognition of this is, you know, and, and the more, the closer you were to the Rebbe, meaning some guy who just walked in off the street to get dollars may have a certain respect. But the person who's sitting in yeshiva or going to the Rebbe's Fabrengans for many years, had a, a greater understanding of the greatness of the Rebbe, and therefore it increased the reverence. And that's why you you found this this like this concept of malchus of kingship, which is a Jewish concept. You know, if you look in the in the, in the Rambam, Maimonides, or it talks about the laws of kings. It's like, whoa, you really have to respect the king. You know, if you this and and in fact disrespecting a king in a in a blatant way. You're liable for the death penalty. Now we don't think about. We think like, oh, that how could that be? That's the halacha. That's really the way it is. A true, a true Jewish king. Okay, you know, in in those times, anointed, you know, by the prophet, all that kind of stuff. But the concept of respect and awe is definitely within within Judaism. And 
idea of even using the concept, using the, the word kingship, not that the Rebbe was a king in the classic way, for sure not. I mean, that didn't fit the description at all. But there was that element of behaving in such a way. And, and the Chassidim felt that towards the Rebbe. So it wasn't that the Rebbe placed himself above the Chassidim, but that the Chassidim sort of elevated the Rebbe in their eyes, how they how they um, interacted with him. Did you have any? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Did did you have any other instances where you interacted with the Rebbe at all, or you know, did anything, or is you know, aside from just like the regular old? I don't know. Did you ever do the dollar thing? Was that a thing that like <laughs> people were dropping I have a dollars like this? Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna have to we have to have like a couple of programs for this, but um, the answer is that being in the Rebbe's presence, like davening with the Rebbe, or being at the Rebbe's Sabrenian, that you felt a personal connection. Okay, but I, I know that's, a, you don't mean that, you know, you mean more in a very specific, direct way. And the answer is there was a number of times, not a, not a big number, but a number of times that, like when I went into a private audience with the Rebbe for my bar mitzvah, my 14th birthday, so, you know, that was, you know, it wasn't long during that conversation, it was, it was very directed, but, you know, it was a few minutes here and a few minutes there. Um, by dollars, um, a few times, maybe three or four times max, where I spoke to the Rebbe about a student who came and wanted something or whatever. And I, yeah, yeah. So that that was you know a personal interaction, but it wasn't. It, I, you didn't need to have that individual. You know, everybody cherishes that. Like, oh wow, you know, the Rebbe said this to me. I said that to the Rebbe, and I amazing. It's unbelievable. You know, fantastic. It's not that when 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 Chassidim say, "Oh, it was so wonderful when we could be with the Rebbe." I think the, the primarily it's about being with the Rebbe when the Rebbe is giving a fabrengin. You know, when the Rebbe is being the Rebbe, but not when he's being the Rebbe for you particularly, like he's talking to you in the you know personal interaction. That, that's not really that doesn't that that's wonderful, beautiful. It's 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 precious, but it doesn't really define the real relationship that Chassidim had with the Rebbe. So to kind of close things out for for this week's episode, have you had any good interactions with regular people throughout <laughs> this past week? Just regular people. There are no regular, regular people. people. Every Jew is a precious diamond. Um, oh, so here's one. So there's this kid that goes to school here, and uh, I got and he he knows Chabad from his home, whatever. But we got we got pretty close during this last semester, last year. Uh, I used to put on film with him. I meet him at school. He, was, he actually goes to Berg College of Music, put on film with him. And then he had his, he, he had said he had his own, he bought him from his house, started putting on film. And it also was, we see him a couple times a week. And he came for Shavuos. He came the first day, came the second day. That was that. And then, I got a call the day after Shuas. That was what Sunday, Sunday late afternoon, from um, a bucher who lives in in Boston who had been home for Shuas, and he says, "I was on the bus going to New York, and this guy gets onto the bus. He comes over to me, sits down next to me, says, do you have to fill in.' And he says, "I said, yeah, I have to fill in.' He says, "Yeah." I've been putting, I've started to putting on film, but I didn't put on film today. So can you, put, can I put on film? And he tells me the name of the guy. 
um, Ethan. I said, oh, and I described what he looks like. And he said, oh, that's, you know, he has big, rather, you know, red hair, whatever. And yeah, that's the guy. He said, yeah. And um, we were sitting and talking for four hours <laughs> on the bus ride. I said, it's amazing. It's fantastic. It's like unbelievable. Like, you know, could you imagine like, you happen to be on the bus at the same time? And, and he, you know, he wanted to put on his film. And so that, that was to me was like, oh, was so fantastic. But then something that the Rebbe taught us was anytime you, 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 you are part of a Hashgacha project, something, by, you know, something happens and, you know, oh, just happened. This just happened. There's got something has to come out of it. In fact, he said that was the whole reason for the giving the dollars at dollars was that when, because essentially the dollar was to take that dollar and give it a stucker. And the Rebbe knew that nobody's giving away that dollar. The dollar they got from the Rebbe's hand, they're keeping it forever, right? So the Rebbe said, give this dollar or exchange it for another dollar. Basically motivating you to give a dollar to stock. You want to give this one? Fine. You want to give another one? That's your choice. But I'm giving you a dollar. I'm making you a messenger to do a mitzvah. And the point was, two Jews meet, there should be an outcome of a mitzvah, especially if you could benefit another Jew. That's the best thing to do. So anytime there's this like, oh, divine providence, I just happened to meet this guy. The question is, look, what are we, what are we going to do about it? We have to, we have to move, you have to move forward with it. So I said to this guy, I said, it's fantastic. You sat on the bus for four hours, isn't that? And he said, and he said, yeah. And in fact, we exchanged phone numbers. I said, well, if you're in New York and he's somewhere in upstate New York, you got. Why don't you bring him down to Crown Heights, take him to seven seventy, maybe spend a day in yeshiva there. You know. So. And, and I spoke to him about it, and we spoke for about 10 minutes trying to figure out a good plan, like when he's, you know, because he knew the guy that Ethan's coming to, to Manhattan before Shabbos, after Shabbos, whatever, the details are not important. But the point was, I said to him, you can't just leave. It's amazing and fantastic, and Hashem runs the world. It's unbelievable that you met him on the bus, but what's going to happen as a result of it? You got to take it to the next level. And so, yeah, so that was, that's my, uh, my great. HP Hashgacha Pratis, Hashem runs the world story for this week. It's it's funny because you know when when I think of it, you know the the biggest example for me was when I went to seven seventy for the first time, right? And we you knew that I was going, and you were like talk to Israel, send send a message to Israel, and I just for whatever reason didn't. And then I'm standing outside of seven seventy, <laughs> and who do I run into? <laughs> Yisrael. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, Tanya now, what we're learning in the daily Tanya is talking about how, how Hashem creates the world every moment and therefore nothing happens by chance. I mean, this, this is a real thing. And it's, I just, I just get excited every time that happens. You know, you, 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 you decide to go somewhere and you meet that person. If you would have gone a minute earlier, a minute later, you wouldn't meet that person. So it's not like, oh, it, it just happened. It doesn't just happen. It's all orchestrated. And then, Again, the, the most important thing after that is take it to the next level. What do you hear a short one this morning? I was uh, go, looking at my phone for somebody's name, or I don't know, I had to send a message to somebody, and somebody's name popped up, and I sent them a message. Say, you know, he doesn't live in this in, in the, he doesn't live in this country even. I said, Oh, I hope and trust that everything's all well with you and you know, with your family, with your city. You know, he's big in the Chabad in the Chabad community there, in the community, da 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 da. And he writes back. We had an exchange of, of texts like going up and back like six or seven times. And basically, he said to me that he had written a letter to the Rebbe about a certain, you know, certain issue that he was having. 
And um, I can tell you, you know, about question about Bitachem, you know, trust in Hashem. And he said, in your message, you wrote, I hope and trust all is well with you. And he said, like, you know, you just use the word trust. And I just wrote a letter yesterday to the Rebbe saying, me, what do you mean write a letter to the Rebbe? Like, you know, it's a way of reaching out to the Rebbe in whatever way, whatever, they, whatever way that means. And however the Rebbe would respond. I said, there, there's your answer, you know. You got the word, he said, I, I see the word trust. And I'm like, this is so coincidental. No, so this is so Hashem running the world. And I said to him, you have no idea. And we talked up and back a couple of times about what was going on. And um, and then he sent me a very nice message. And it was really fantastic talking to him. And I said to him, I said, you have no idea how random it was that I even messaged you today. But of course, it wasn't random. It wasn't random. Hashem wanted it to happen. You know, there's, there's hundreds of people I could have sent a message to. But I sent it to him, and he needed to hear it. And we were able to exchange something. And I said to him, you should know that the Rebbe always taught us to give. But the receiver is grateful for what he gets. But the one who gives actually gets more than the receiver who receives. The fact that he's able to have that opportunity, privilege, to be able to interact with another person, help them out in whatever way it is, that's really fantastic. So everybody's a winner. Well, on, on that note, I think you're a winner if you've stuck with us for this whole podcast. And I think that's <laughs> all we have for this week for episode six of the Posecast. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place.